0: Our first speaker this morning is Mary Rose Hicko. She graduated from Montana State University with a degree in American Studies and English Literature. She interned with the Extreme History Project in Bozeman in the summer of 2022, and is now a graduate student in the History and Philosophy program at MSU. So let's welcome Mary Rose. right, this might take me a minute to get acclimated. I've never presented at a conference before, but I'm so excited that you folks decided to join us this morning. And yes, like was mentioned, I'm Mary Rose Hicko. I'm a first semester master's student in the Department of History and Philosophy. And the presentation I have prepared for you today centers around socioeconomics of the early 20th century and the changes that sex workers in Bozeman's Red Light District faced after prostitution was outlawed. So to begin, I wanted to talk a little bit about a woman named Maddie Hayes Rosenthal. And Maddie was a sex worker in Bozeman's Red Light District between 1900 to 1918. And after the district was shut down in 1918, she relocated to Casper, Wyoming. And in Casper, she lived a relatively modest life, wasn't super wealthy by any means. And by the time of her death in 1962, um, she was very impoverished and left with very, very few known family members, and was actually buried in an unmarked grave. And that grave remains unmarked today. And the fact that the grave remains unmarked, I think, is a perfect reflection of how socioeconomic politics at the turn of the century affected Maddie and women just like her. Let's see if I can get this to work. Ah, okay. Technology working is always great because I'm not good with technology. Um, So allow me to take you back in time now. At the turn of the 20th century, Bozeman's red light district was in full swing. Bozeman was growing into an agricultural hub and spreading its roots across the Gallatin Valley. Men of diverse socioeconomic backgrounds traveled to and from Bozeman quite frequently, and many of them took advantage of the range of entertainment options that Bozeman offered. At the turn of the 20th century, Bozeman had multiple social halls, breweries, saloons, and of course, brothels. In the Red Light District itself, there were women of myriad backgrounds all working within the same confined district. And the district at its height boasted nine houses of ill repute. And this is a picture of the Red Light District circa 1890. So a little bit before the time I'm talking about, but it gets you a better picture of what it would have looked like on the ground. Um, pardon me the red light district itself would cater to a wide variety of men it would cater, of course, to working class men as is most often stereotyped but men all the way up to the wealthy elites of Bozeman would also frequent the red light district and the women who worked in the district itself were from very diverse backgrounds just like their clientele wonderful So, this is a fire insurance map of Bozeman's historic Red Light District, and I'll give you a little bit more background information about it. Like I mentioned, at the height of the Red Light District, there were nine houses of ill repute in Bozeman. This was during the 19-teens. And at this time, the geographic location of the Red Light District was very confined between North Rouse Avenue to the east, North Bozeman Avenue to the west, um, East Mendenhall Hall Street to the north, and then the alleyway between East Mendon Hall and Main Street to the south. And I have this map pictured here. Um, there are nine houses of ill repute in this map. I'll show you. This is a brothel here, this was a brothel here, this was a brothel, this was a brothel, this is a, a brothel, this is a brothel, this is a brothel, this is a brothel. Kind of gives you a bit of a sense, and everything was very closely compacted in Bozeman's red light district. Um, At the time of the district's height, sociopolitics were also facing a pretty massive upheaval. Moral vices such as gambling, saloons, and red light districts were suddenly the target of a very progressive political agenda. In an attempt to clean up cities and towns across the nation, progressive politics aimed to eliminate such moral vices from American society. Unsurprisingly, as the socio-political landscape began to change nationally, it changed around Bozeman as well. Um, the Bozeman City Council in the 1910s received numerous petitions against its saloons and its brothels in an attempt to shut them down officially. And by the time World War I broke out, reform over moral vices had a very strong hold over the nation and over Bozeman. To bring the conversation back to Bozeman and its own Red Light District, I want to talk about Maddie Hayes again. And Maddie worked in a number of different houses in the Red Light District, and eventually she actually worked her way up to become the madam of her own brothel as well. By no means was her life glamorous at all. Sex work was a very, very difficult industry, and I don't want to paint a good picture around how glamorous her life may have been. She lived a pretty rough lifestyle but her line of work was quite intimately connected with Bozeman's economy, despite the illegalization of prostitution at the time. Sex work in Bozeman during the 19-teens brought diversity to the economy, as madams bought and sold a lot of properties in the area, and of course participated in boosting Bozeman's saloon culture. Not only did Maddie see the height of the red light district, but she experienced life beyond sex work in the years following. But her time in Bozeman specifically speaks volumes about the socio-political and economic landscapes of the time. A little bit of background on Maddie herself. She was born in 1869 and was one of several children born to Samuel Hayes and Mary Richardson of Lexington, Kentucky. And she and her two younger sisters Libby and Hattie moved from Lexington to Bozeman, Montana around 1900 and almost immediately took up residence in the Red Light District. As is common with many of the ordinary people of history, Maddie's life wasn't very well documented, and we don't have a super clear chain of events in her life until about the mid-19-teens. A little bit before that, on November 25th of 1912, Maddie's younger sister, Libby, actually purchased a plot of land in the Red Light District that housed one of the oldest brothels in Bozeman. And this brothel that she purchased was constructed prior to 1884, so it was a very bare bones frame structure. But nevertheless, it gave Libby, as well as Maddie, a lot more control over their lives as they not only lived but operated it, the brothel that they worked in. And I will mention as well that brothel, er, brothels, or brothels, red light districts had a very defined ch- chain of social hierarchy. And this beautiful lady here, not a madam of Bozeman, but one of my favorites, a madam of Helena. Just a great visual representative of what a lot of madams may have looked like at the time. Madams, I'll mention, were the women who ran the show. They very often owned, but always operated the brothels that they lived in. And then on the next rung of the social ladder would be women who worked in the houses, so the sex workers themselves, as well as any women who may have done cooking or cleaning for the madam as well. And Libby, as a madam and landowner, was free to conduct business as she saw fit. And as far as Bozeman's red light district is concerned, she's a very powerful woman at that point in time. Quite unfortunately, however, as Bozeman's death records show, In 1913, November of that year, Libby ended up passing away due to complications, probably that arose from her line of work. And at the time of her death, she had amassed a number of really fashionable possessions. Some of my favorites include a diamond necklace that was worth about a thousand dollars. She had two separate diamond rings that were worth close to $300 each. Uh, She had an electric player piano and she had six brass spittoons. That's my favorite part. (laughs) And Maddie, however, was lucky enough to survive her sister's death and rose to the top of the social chain as a madam of her own brothel. So at the time of Libby's passing, like I mentioned a little bit, there were quite a few possessions under Libby's name that had to be sorted out. And it's unclear exactly what the terms of her mortgage were because she didn't buy her brothel and the land it sat on outright. She was making payments on a mortgage. While it's unclear what the terms were, on July 19th of 1914, Maddie ended up taking over payments on that mortgage. She's highlighted on the very bottom here, and was finally in possession of her very own brothel. And so at this point, Maddie had been working in the red light district in Bozeman for about 14 years, and that made her a relatively well-established businesswoman in the Bozeman area as well. As far as city records show, this was the first and only property that Maddie owned in Bozeman, but establishing herself as a fixture of the red light district nonetheless. Remaining in Bozeman, Maddie was about 45 years old at the time that she owned her own brothel, and at that age, she would have been one of the oldest sex workers in the industry. City records... City death records show that a majority of women in the district would die by the time they were in their early 30s. So Maddie had already surpassed quite a few of the women in the district. Having made a bit of a reputation for herself, however, would be an evident issue a little bit later on in Maddie's life by 1915. Becoming the public face representing an individual brothel had its risks, of course. Although the women that worked in her house and in the district were likely known by people in the town, Maddie was seen by law enforcement as one of the sources of social dilemmas. As the owner and operator of a brothel, madams were very often targeted by law enforcement as the socio-political landscape grew in favor of reform. Bozeman would face a new wave of reform as madams were often arrested in 1915 alone for keeping a house of prostitutes. And similarly, other western towns like Butte, Montana also experienced this wave of social reform. An article in the Butte Minor newspaper was titled, Red Light District must find a new district, a festering sore to the public gaze. A pretty obvious statement to the community Uh, regarding the shabby and not to mention illegal status of the local red light district. And the pushback that Butte and Bozeman saw against their red light districts wasn't uncommon by any means, as progressivism had swept the nation with overwhelming popularity by this time. Rising through the ranks as a grassroots movement, social reform was particularly popular in the West and amongst the middle class across the nation. Particularly in Montana, the physical distance from Washington, D.C. made it difficult to feel that small businessmen were being heard in national political debates. In the eyes of the middle and working classes in particular, the upper class controlled too much of the wealth and had too little regard for what happened to those beneath them on the socioeconomic ladder. However, the middle class in particular identified a common problem for the working class, which was saloon culture. The working class saw multitudes of male laborers spending a great deal of time in saloons and subsequently in brothels. Rather than spending their time at home with their families, they spent what little money they did have in saloons and of course later in the evening on prostitutes. This however, was all in the eyes of the perceiver and the middle class was a particularly harsh judge of vices in American society. With all of this in mind, the middle-class Americans who were the driving force of social reform in the U.S. had a very negative effect on the way that business was conducted by women, particularly sex workers in the West. Circling back to sex workers in the eyes of law enforcement, the madams of brothels were the demographic in danger. Their role in red-light districts not only kept brothels alive and well, but it was in the midst of reforming social vices that their occupation placed them in a tricky position. In Bozeman, Maddie did become a target, as I have mentioned before, and evidently she was arrested on November 16th of 1915. And these are pictures from the sheriff's jail records, which I got thanks to the Gallatin History Museum. And the jail records indicate that Maddie was arrested for keeping a house of prostitutes, but was released on bonds. And this was just one of many arrests in the county jail records from that year. After Maddie's arrest alone, the records indicate that madams were arrested on a pretty regular basis in 1915. The arrests were in large part a response to the societal pushback against red light districts. In Montana, women's social groups were very popular in the 19-teens and particularly once the West, er, once the U.S. entered World War I. Women in Montana had the right to vote by this time as well, and that equated to women outside of the sex work industry being much more politically vocal, I should mention. At the time the U.S. entered World War I, men from Bozeman were sent to train with armed forces almost immediately, which had a very sudden change on the customer basis in the red light district. All of a sudden, men were no longer frequenting the local district in Bozeman, but were all all of a sudden in red light districts internationally. And the experiences they faced in international red light districts were very, very different from the local red light districts in Bozeman or across Montana. As a response to this and the entrance into the war, Montana legislatures at home were very, very busy passing bills that would support social reform over vice Women's Civic Study Clubs were founded across Montana in an effort to counteract women working in the sex industry, and they did have a particular benefit in reducing the number of women that went into the industry itself. With all the political turmoil across the state and the nation, women working in red light districts were facing the end of their industry. In Bozeman, the petitions against the district were The petitions against the district and newly enacted state legislature led to the district getting shut down in 1918. And to be sure, the illegal status of red light districts across Montana was enforced that year. And that made it very, very difficult for sex workers to find a new source of employment. For Maddie, it was presumably a very lonely life. She was suddenly forced out of the only industry that she had ever known, and no longer had either of her sisters by her side as they had both passed by this point in time. In the years following their deaths, Maddie made some relatively big life decisions. Around 1918 to 1920, she moved from Bozeman, Montana to Casper, Wyoming, and taking up residence in a new town was most likely the fresh start that she needed. However, it's relatively unclear that how Maddie may have chosen to leave Bozeman. It might be, rather, that she was pushed out of Bozeman as a result of heavy social reform there. Evidently, she had actually abandoned her mortgage as well, leaving the county sheriff to assume control of the property. And it is unclear exactly why she moved, but it's quite likely due to the pressures of social reformers in Bozeman and Maddie's inability to find a new line of work. By 1920, Bozeman's Red Light District was a closed book, and as was the case for Red Light Districts across Montana, With the economy being redirected into the war effort and vice-facing heavy social reform, it was increasingly frowned upon for men to spend an evening with a lady of the night. Maddie ultimately uprooted her life in favor of starting over in a new town. And in Casper, there are very few records to be found as her day-to-day life was likely fairly mundane. It is... Uh, clear, though, that she worked as a part-time waitress, a part-time entertainer, and even a part-time clairvoyant, though she had little success in any of those fields. As far as her single life is concerned, she no longer had any assets to her name and was scraping by in Casper. Thanks to the heavy social reform that sought to end prostitution, Maddie, like many other prostitutes, was forced out of the only business that she had ever had success in. By no means was sex work an easy business, as I've mentioned before, but Maddie had done well for herself at the time, even when reform was sweeping across the nation and Montana. Without the steady, reliable source of income, Maddie had relatively few future prospects. It was especially difficult for her to come back after legal struggles that she faced without reliable income to back herself up as well. Records indicate that Maddie was arrested in Casper and brought to court for what she claimed to be a misunderstanding, According to the Casper Star Tribune, Maddie had been arrested for brandishing her firearm in city limits. Quote, it is said that she became imbued with the idea that her home was in jeopardy, end quote, leading Maddie to discharge her firearm in an attempt to scare off any potential intruders. Additionally, in 1927, Maddie brought a thief to court for stealing a ruby of hers that was worth no less than $75. The thief was found guilty and was ordered to pay the sum of $75 together with interest. This case, although I find it quite interesting, is an unfortunate telltale sign of Maddie's poor financial state at that time. She likely did not have much money and given that her job as an entertainer, clairvoyant or a waitress, was um, not particularly beneficial for her financial state. When Maddie passed, she had a very brief and nondescript obituary in the Casper Morning Star, and she is buried in an unmarked grave, as I've mentioned already, which I think is the perfect sign of her poverty and how she left very little behind in the world. The end of her life is another significant clue as to the effects of progressive reform in the West. Because she was pushed out of her industry and left with a tainted public image, It was very difficult for Maddie to make an economic comeback, no matter in Bozeman or in Casper. She was a middle-aged, single, and unemployed woman when she moved to Casper. It can only be assumed that this scenario was not uncommon for women like Maddie, who may have been left on the streets after the destruction of sex work in the West as well. Although she had once had opportunities, Maddie was left with very little. Economics played a big role in how social reform played out as well, considering that World War I significantly changed the domestic economy. In the end, however, it comes down to how Maddie lived her life, like many other prostitutes in the heyday of Bozeman's red-light district, a living fixture of Bozeman society. Yet after she was pushed out of her industry, she trudged on, refusing to give up on herself in an ever-changing world that no longer accepted her. Thank you.